Bow with me again for prayer. Father God, I, I pray over this congregation now, God, that the reason we have met here is for you, so leave us with a sense of awe over your glory and your presence. We ask that your Holy Spirit will work among us to help us to understand the word that we're about to research. Lord, thank you for giving us uh, this place to meet. Thank you for giving us our Savior Jesus so that we could be free of our sin. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. When I was in college, right after, right after high school, uh, I started a new hobby, and that was uh, historical reenacting. I started going to rendezvous, and I've probably told you guys about it before. It's where you go to a place in the wilderness, and you live like you were in the early 1800s or 1700s. You set up a teepee, you start your fire with flint and steel, and you shoot black powder rifles for competition. <clears throat> you hunt your own food sometimes. And this is the sort of thing that I enjoyed doing once a month on the weekends. During that process, I met a fella, an older fella, who I come to like. And I, I come to respect this fella. His name was Tom Connor. The more that I was around him, the more I understood... Uh, what drove him to do the things that he did? He had a list of accomplishments about a mile long. Some of them uh, he probably wasn't really proud of, uh, and some of them I was really excited about. But I, I learned a lot of things from this man. And I'm sure each one of you have a person in your life that is the same. You respect that person. You you can see what they have accomplished. And so when they tell you something, you take it seriously. And sometimes there's that one thing that they tell you that you'll never forget. The most important things in my life, I, I learned from this fella. He taught me how to build a flintlock rifle. He taught me how to start a fire with flint and steel. And he taught me how to work a wood stove. Maybe those aren't the most important things in life. But I use those on a, on a daily basis, at least uh, some of them. One thing that he taught me that has stuck with me, that applies to, to almost all parts of my life, is something that he said when I would come to him and ask for advice. I said, what do you think about this, Tom? He said, well... It's like this. Have you thought about it? And is it a wise thing to do? I say, well, I, I think it is. And he would say, go and don't look back. Go, just do it and don't look back. And that was his advice. Whether it was uh, deciding to uh, build a new rifle or to get married. He was the fellow that introduced me to my wife in a, a sort of way, and he gave me that advice. I respected this man, and I listened to what he had to say. Jesus, he had a group of followers called the disciples, and he taught them many things. 
He commanded them to do certain things. And one of these things that he told them to do after his resurrection was to go. We find this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. We call this the good commission, the great commission. And we've been studying this the last few Sundays. And I know that uh, it seems repetitive, but this is so important that we grasp what this means when Jesus is teaching this. And so we're going to pull part of this out today again and fully, fully work on it so that we can apply it to our lives. Verse 18 of Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and told his disciples... I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Jesus' followers, they respected him. And so they didn't take it lightly when he gives them this command. Christianity, after this, grew rapidly. So we know that they took it seriously. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 3,000 followers responded after Peter gave a sermon preaching the salvation through Jesus. The good news. And in chapter 4 of Acts, we see that there are already 5,000 believers, followers in Jesus. This kind of obedience to God and His Word works better than anything else. If we wanted to grow our church, there's all kinds of things that we could do. I mean, the ladies cooking good food afterwards, that would probably grow our church. At least I would come to a church with good food. You know, good idea, right? But obedience to God and His Word works better than anything else that we can imagine. We can obey His Scripture and put it into play. One of the things that Jesus told us to do, though, was to eat together. So I'm grateful that uh, when we eat, it is good food. You know, specifically, the thing that we're going to talk about from this Scripture today is when it says to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptize into the name. Now, if I were to ask you, what is God? Uh, I don't know what you would tell me, but my guess is, uh, since you are Western, as in this is the Western part of the world as opposed to the Eastern on the other side of the world, uh, you would tell me something like, God is love. God is merciful. God is uh, powerful. God is just. Maybe those are some of the things that you had in your mind. And th- those, are, those are great things. Uh, th- they're, they're kind of abstract. If we were to ask the same question, what is God? to Eastern folk. The folks that uh, we read about in our scripture. 
they would give you a more concrete answer. What is God? They would say, God is my rock. God is my fortress. He is my protector, my savior, my king, my shepherd, uh, my shade, my vine, bread, water. He's my comforter. These things that they say, uh, they can actually see and fill. Now I can show you the list of, of love and powerful and merciful and just, but I can't really draw you a picture of what those are like. But I could show you a picture of a rock or a, a fortress and a shepherd. By the way, there's an invitation in all of these names. An invitation. When we say a rock, God is solid and He is uh, connected to the earth. It invites us to tap into that connection that is solid. When He is a fortress, we can seek refuge in that fortress. We can be protected by it. Things that are tied to reality as we see. An invitation to be part of that. Some of these things, we can even reflect God's glory ourselves. We can be protectors of our families. We can be shepherds by teaching. We can comfort people. We can even be some of these in the glory of God because of the way that He has made us. There is an invitation. When we recognize that God is concrete and not necessarily abstract. I have, I have to explain what abstract means. It's, it's kind of detached, like not anchored. So when we say God is love, is powerful, and, and those type of, those are good things, and God absolutely is those. But the idea of that seems somewhat uh, detached, somewhat abstract. But God, the reality of Him is very concrete. The reality of God's involvement in our lives becomes more clear as we understand how real God is. And when you call on the name of Jesus, when you pray in His name, you are calling His power to come and make something happen. John chapter 14, verse 13 through 15, says, You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you obey me, if you love me, obey my commandments. This is the word of Jesus. Jesus is telling us this. You could ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What's, what's this? What does this mean? I get caught up with that sometimes. And I don't know about you. Maybe this is clear to you. And you're comfortable with that. And it makes sense. I'm not so easily uh, convinced and understanding of Jesus' word sometimes. He's so much smarter than I am. And so I have to research and dig into it. 
you know, I, I know that I have prayed for things that haven't happened before. I've prayed, uh, you know, can I have this, God, or can, can we do this? Can you make this happen? And it didn't happen. At least it didn't happen the way I thought it should happen. Or it didn't happen in the time that I thought it should happen. And you know, I praise God now because of that. You know, thank God that uh, every little bitty prayer that comes out of my mind uh, doesn't happen just like I wanted it to. There should be something that moderates what we pray for. If John chapter 14, uh, verse 13, were so simple, boy, then look out. You know, imagine. It'd be like putting a kid in charge. Around my house, if, if my boy Flint were in charge of things like the, the finances, then we would have remote-controlled cars everywhere. And we wouldn't have any food in the fridge, but there would be a big old bowl of candy on the table. There would also be no mufflers on any of our cars because he likes loud noises. I don't know where he got that, but the other day he said, Dad, can we cut all the mufflers off our vehicles? Maybe one of you guys gave him that idea. I remember having the same idea when I was young, but if we put him in charge, that would be some of the things that he would do. Well, we are God's children, all of us. No matter how old, no matter how wise we are, none of us are perfectly wise. So there must be something more to using uh, the name than simply saying the name of Jesus. There's these two verses that use a similar language. Uh, John 14, 13, it says that uh, Jesus says that if you ask anything in, in my name, then he will give it. And, it. and in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the verse we read at first, that says, uh, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We probably don't think uh, too much about the name deal. Uh, at least we don't think about it in the same way that maybe our grandfathers uh, thought about it. Or we don't think about it in the same way that the uh, folks that uh, were present in the Bible times when the Bible was written, the Easterners there, we don't think about it in the same way they do. But uh, this is absolutely still relevant. I'll give you a few examples. Um, last year, um, I, I, I purchased a Ford and soiled the Rebel name. Rebels are Chevy guys, and uh, they don't like me so much anymore. That, that's not true. Uh, and my Ford is good, by the way. You know, instilling the name thing, it, it comes from when we are young. I remember my dad, uh, you know, I try to teach my kids the idea of, you know, we work hard and we play hard. Rebels work hard and we play hard. And my dad didn't necessarily use those words, but it was it was the same thing. I I can remember when we got our first ski boat. Uh, you know, it, we bought it for $200. So we had to rebuild the engine, and then we took it out. And, and sometimes the play hard, work hard, that got mixed up and confused. And, and the playing and working and hard, and 
it was tied in. And so when we would go skiing on the lake, uh, it was your turn to go skiing. You know, you had to be out there for an hour and 30 minutes the whole time. If you fell down, circle around and pick you back up because you weren't out there for an hour and 30 minutes. And I mean, it's, skiing's great, but I mean, it gets old. And we would be out on that boat in the morning just as the sun came up and pack our food and come home uh, like at 9 o'clock right before the sun went down all day long. And then when it was Dad's turn to ski, then, you know, it was like he always had to set the good example. So he was skiing out there for two and a half hours. And play hard, work hard. These things that we, you know, put into our names. Maybe, maybe this is the case in your family. You know, maybe... You would say, a McGee always opens the doors for ladies. That's just what a McGee does. Maybe you would say that uh, a uh, Billings, uh, what she always does is she's always going to do what she says she's going to do. That's just the way the Billings do it. Um, The name thing. If somebody comes to your door and knocks on your door in the middle of the night, maybe you won't answer it. But if it says... The Sheriff's Department, Allen County Sheriff's Department, Anderson County Sheriff's Department. That name, even though it isn't an actual name, it represents who they are from, what they are, and what their intentions are is important. You answer the door. If you knock on a door and say your name or I come in the name, if the billings... uh, do what they say they're going to do and I knock on somebody's door and say I come in the name of the Billings then the folks inside know that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do in the authority of in the authority of as if that person were there in the reality or the essence of them We're talking about the name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And our verse here that Matthew gives us, Jesus says, in the name, teach them and baptize them, make disciples into the name. Are we going to think this is an abstract idea, love, power, or, you know, these are good things and they're lofty things like we discussed, but quite frankly, they're hard for me to wrap my mind around. I can try to figure out love every day of the week. And I still can't fit it in a box to where I know what to do with it, know how to perfectly love my wife or my children, or my neighbor, or my enemy. There's so much that doesn't seem to make sense. Can't wrap my mind around it. But into the name, if we are to pray into the name, baptize into the name of our rock, of our fortress, of our shade, the one who protects us from the sun, the one who provides us water, or a vine that connects us with the nutrients that we need to survive, then I can understand these things. Psalms chapter 62, verses 6 through 7, 
says, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Listen, we can ask for something in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as a fortress because we can understand that He wouldn't give something reckless or something dangerous to His kingdom because He is a fortress and a protector. He is an unshakable, solid rock. We can ask for something in Jesus' name knowing that He is the Savior, that He is the bread of life, the living water. So we wouldn't ask Him to bring down fire to burn someone up because He is a Savior, not a destroyer. James and John, the the sons of of Zebedee, the uh, sons of thunder is what Jesus called them. They tried that. They were with Jesus going to Samaria and some people came out against them and they say, hey Jesus, let's just call down fire and burn these people up and Jesus rebukes them. Uh, It's not how he works. They evidently weren't uh, praying and they were actually talking to Jesus right there in his name according to what he would want, what he would do. So he told them no. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we pray according to what He would approve of. Now this doesn't mean that we can pray wrong. We can pray incorrectly. Uh, You know, talk to God absolutely about everything and don't worry about what you're talking to God about. Don't concern yourself with what you might ask. You need to tell Him everything. But what this means is that if you are not praying according to what Jesus would put his stamp of approval on, then well, John 14, verse 13, may not come true for you. May not work out so good. Asking for anything in my name and I will do it. If you don't ask with Jesus' stamp of approval, you might just be asking and not receiving it the way you ask. No harm in that. Praise God that He is wise. And we are after His wisdom. So the more in tune we get with God, the more immersed we get with His Scripture, with His character, with knowing how He operates, the more we will see our prayers be answered. Now why are we discussing prayer when the point of the message is immersion? This is because Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 19 to baptize them that we are making uh, disciples, these disciples that we are making, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and praying in the name helps us understand baptizing them in the name. Uh, Baptize. This word comes from the Greek word baptizo. You probably know that. It's a regular verb in ancient Greek. Uh, nothing special about it. It means to immerse. To immerse. Uh, they would have used this word for many different things. Um, these days, though, we think when we say baptize, it means something special. Wh- which it does. It does. Uh, 
you know, we have a time. It, uh, baptisms happen in a church or, or in a lake um, relating to God. And in our scripture here, uh, the word just meant to immerse. And the word immerse means to, to do or to experience completely. Uh, all in immerse. Like uh, yesterday and, and the day before when we, we opened our um, made a new gift and thrift shop over there <clears throat> and we had a garage sale and we had uh, coffee that we would give folks and, and popcorn and, and we made a bunch, uh, made a pretty good amount of money. I don't know exactly how much and, and I think it was all because we had this chocolate fountain um, in the middle of the, the lobby there when folks come in they could use that chocolate fountain and uh, Larry and I figured out really soon that uh, you could dunk anything you wanted in that chocolate fountain, and it was good. <clears throat> so there were little bitty pe- chunks of, uh, of Rice Krispie treats and toothpicks, and there were cookies, and you could grab a cookie, and there was popcorn, and if you didn't have, you know, once you ate all that, you just stick your finger in there. But <clears throat> uh, the point of this was, is that we figured out, is that when you stick that thing on the end of your toothpick, why just stick it in a little bit? That would be ridiculous. You've got to stick that dude in there all the way around, go around, swirl it around, pull it out, let it dry, just stick it in there for some more, and then eat it because it's good. It's always better with chocolate on it. Uh, why do it halfway when you can do it all the way? Why follow Jesus halfway? When we can do it all the way. Man, everything that we do as Christians, we should do all the way. The younger generation, you know, they say full sin. Full sin. Why not full sin everything? If we're going to obey the one that has been given authority, all authority in heaven and on earth, then we're going to make disciples and we're going to immerse them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, understanding what that name means. Let me clarify here. Baptism, as we know it, is the action of immersing someone in water as a commitment to God, right? Yes. Yes, yes, and more. And more on top of that. Baptize, immerse, Full sin. In everything God, full sin. In everything Jesus, full sin. In everything Holy Spirit, full sin. The youth group, uh, they were doing a study. Uh, Jessica was leading um, a couple weeks ago. It was on, uh, it was by Kyle Eidelman. And it was called Redeeming the Screen. And it talked about uh, th- them using their cell phones and we were trying to get our youth group to um, to use their their cell phones for uh, for, for honoring God, you know, um, because th- that's one of the things that uh, we often these days tend to to you know we want to live our lives like Christians, but we have this cell phone, and boy, we could just ac- access anything with it. And one of uh, Eidelman's illustrations was that. Um, a long time ago, some of the knights that they would um, th- they would uh, be training these knights for warriors, 
and they would be baptized. They would come to their time to be baptized. When they were baptized, they would hold their sword up out of their water. The water when they're baptized. The idea is uh, they wanted their whole body cleansed from sin, except for except for the hand that wielded that sword. That part, let's keep that part out of our Christian life because that may need to do some things that aren't approved of by Jesus. Maybe that's the way we are with our with our our cell phones. We you know want to live our whole lives but hold our cell phones up out of the immersion process in to Jesus. Listen, that's not full sin. That's not immersion. So Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, wants us to immerse new disciples into the reality of who God is. Not just check the box and you're good. I'm baptized. Okay. Good now. You, you don't come to church just to check the box. I'm good now. At least I, I, I hope you don't. <clears throat> hope it's not a thing to where, <clears throat> okay, I've been to church, so, uh, so everything's going to be better now. You know, being immersed in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit means you've accepted <clears throat> the challenge. That you've done uh, everything that you <clears throat> that you that you've done in everything that you are and everything that you have that you understand that you are going to fight the Lord's battle and you will be you will be dropped into inserted into placed by God into a place where he needs you to do battle this is a commitment. It's like a soldier. He's been trained. And he's dropped behind enemy lines. Just like that soldier doing battle, you are going to use the training that you receive in Sunday school. Thank you, Connie. Appreciate that. And in... in Bible study, in small group, in your personal study time, in your prayer. You're going to use all this that you've trained and in church to fight against hopelessness through love and service. By being baptized, by being immersed, you are being knighted, ready for service. You are showing that you are a disciple. Now we have some younger folks that are working towards taking this step of being baptized into discipleship. And, and parents, I know sometimes that, that's a struggle to understand completely. You know, is my child ready? Is it time for them uh, to be baptized? And, and then we talk about doing battle for God. You will be a warrior. You'll be dropped into battle. You're to, to preach the word of God. And sometimes that is a little intimidating to a parent. Let me tell you what your role is here. It's your role to help your kids know what full sinned means for them 
being a disciple. Praying and reading scripture? Yes. Telling their classmates about Jesus? Yes. Uh, going door to door to evangelize on their own? Not yet. Uh, at least not without you. They need some years of working under a seasoned follower of Jesus. Parents, that's, that's you. That's you. And, and if you're not seasoned, it's okay. It's okay. But I would start marinating in the Word so that you will be salty enough of a Jesus follower to be a good example for your kids. There's this, this great uh, two books in our Bible. It's uh, letters that Paul wrote to the fellow named Timothy. Timothy's a, a younger fellow, the Scripture says. And uh, Paul writes him to encourage him, to uh, promote him, to bring him up, to give him confidence. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 11, Paul tells uh, Timothy, he says, Teach these things and insist that everyone learns them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love and faith, in, in your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. There's some real concrete things here that our young ones can do, and all of us as well. Uh, reading scripture, encouraging other believers, um, Loving, working on our faith, maintaining our purity. Now, Timothy is not, not a kid here, likely, but he's a young fella, and we all start somewhere. Paul continues to tell a Timothy after that to not neglect, in verse 14, the spiritual gift that you received or that you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Spiritual gift. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. First verse there, uh, verse 14 says, uh, Don't neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken by the elders. Now, uh, maybe you feel like, well, Timothy was a special guy. He received a spiritual gift and, and now he's equipped to do the work of Jesus that Paul is telling him to do. Boy, it'd be nice to be Timothy, but I don't have a spiritual gift, so I'm off the hook. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, tells us a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. We all have been given spiritual gifts. Now, I don't know what, what your specific spiritual gift is, uh, but you can find that out. Scripture gives several places where it lists quite a few of them. Timothy 
He's been given these spiritual gifts and Paul tells him, don't neglect it. And verse 15 says, give your complete attention to these matters. Kind of sounds like full sin. Kind of sounds like immersion. Throw yourself into the tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Throwing yourself into whatever you do. Whether that is uh, using your spiritual gift to serve God through a food ministry. Or I talk a lot about food. uh, Into a... uh, uh, a preaching ministry or um, whether it's to teach someone or whether it's in the aisles of B&W trailer hitches or shoeing horses or driving a truck to where you see people at the truck stops throw yourselves into God's work there. Immerse yourself in God so that when you're there, you're totally immersed and covered and so it can't help but rub off on others. Listen, if God tells you to do something, obey and full sin. If He says, I want you to go here, I want you to go there, I want you to be this person for that individual, obey and full sin. The Apostle Paul, he sees great potential in Timothy. Uh, He gives Timothy these other words of advice. Timothy respects Paul. And Paul is, is giving him words inspired by God because Paul has immersed himself into, into Jesus and his teaching. So he gives Timothy these words and I'll, I'll just briefly overview them. He tells Timothy to avoid worthless foolish talk several times. In 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he says that. He says, Timothy, be a good soldier of Jesus. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Pursue righteous living. Remind everyone of what you've been taught and tell them to stop fighting over words, he says. Work hard and remain faithful. And if if Timothy obeys, then he can make disciples. And he can immerse them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Folks, immerse yourselves in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All things in the name of Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. Then you will be equipped to make disciples to baptize them in the name and to teach them about it. Now today we're going to have a, a class again after after church. We have a, we have food to eat. Uh, we have lunch to eat, and then we're going to do a, a short class on baptism. If you are interested in this, if immersion into God's Word is something that has been heavy on your heart. If you're ready to full send your life for Jesus, then please uh, hang out afterwards and we'll discuss this. And 
right now, as we get ready to sing our final song, I'm going to go out to the back, and, and I'll be there. And if you want to discuss it with me before you make that commitment, then I'll be there. Feel free to come and talk to me, ask me about what, it, what it's all about. Uh, you know, if you respect Jesus, we respect a lot of people in our lives, but if we respect Jesus, then we're going to obey what he says. Do you love Jesus? Then obey what he says. Go make disciples. Go and don't look back. Can you say that I come in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? If not, pray with me now. Father God, We struggle so much, God, with our decisions, with our wrong turns, God, with our sin. Lord, I pray that you would come now and forgive us of it. You you have promised to do that. You've given your son Jesus so that we could be free of these chains of sin. Lord, I pray that that forgiveness would come on us now, God, and I pray that you would... Help us to be strong in your name, strong in living out your commands. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in love and grow in confidence, bold confidence of preaching and teaching your word. Lord, we pray that your church here, your body of Christ here, 